Well, speaking of men who dream, I hear there was a very special dream that happened yesterday. George Heard asked Tia Fonte to be his wife. That leads into a lot of our sermon today. Because today's sermon is really about relationships. And how at times we will sin in these relationships. Now, talk to George right now, there is no sin in Tia at all. And vice versa. But someday... Someday you will see. Zach and Elena, same thing. Leading up to marriage, everything's awesome. Someday, if you haven't already seen it, someday you'll see it. But isn't it so true of relationships? You know, when we start off, and whether they be in grade school, you know, your first BFF, your best friend, and you are bonded... I remember, uh, I don't know where we got this from, but th there was a movie that we saw and you, you, uh, you sliced your hand and you became blood brothers. <laughs> now, we wouldn't do that today, but back then it was, I, again, I don't know where we got it, but it was like, cut your hand. Now, let me just say, it wasn't like a real serious thing. It was just a little cut, but it was like, we're bleeding and we're, we're bonded. Until that, that friend broke the code. And did something that, uh, you know, they were disloyal to your pact and to your friendship. They sinned. Dude. What happened to the blood? What happened to this pact? And marriage, again, we start off with all the dreams. Now, Brittany, have you seen any sin in Cody over the last several months? Either Cody really sinned bad, or I, anyway, he's, he's all dressed up today. He looks good. Started a new job. Congrats, by the way. But, you know, again, in, in our relationships, we start off, and, and yet sin comes into them. And then we're faced with choices. How do we handle that? Marriage. Families. Little Johnny, little Susie. Seems so innocent, so sinless, all of a sudden becomes very sinful. And, and little Johnny or little Susie, as they grow up and don't see any sin in their parents, all of a sudden, wow, dad really, he, he loses it from time to time. Mom, she, she snaps sometimes. Where, where does that come from? And they, they see sin. And one of the challenges that we find, and this is one of the, this is the, the, the passage in, that Jesus is going to address, but what happens now in the culture of the church when we sin against one another? And how do we handle this? 
You know, we come in with all of these, this, this thought of, wow, this is awesome. And then things can change when someone sins against us. Let's read this passage in Luke chapter 17. And he, Jesus, said to his disciples, temptations, and your version may say stumbling blocks or snares or traps that cause people to sin are sure to come. It's inevitable. But woe to the one through whom they come. And I, I don't know if you've wondered about the phrasing of that, but basically, woe if you are the cause of this. It would be better for him to, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Sounds like a, a mob hit or a mafia hit. <laughs> Pay attention to yourselves. Jesus wants to get the point here. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you, reverts back seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord says, if you had faith, like a grain of mustard seed. You could say to this mulberry tree that's, that's really rooted, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him who has come in from the field, hey, come at once and recline at the table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me? Well, I eat, and afterward you will eat and drink. And does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. You know, in this passage, I don't know if it is in, in your Bibles, but it has a, the heading, Sin, Faith, and Duty. And I'm not so sure it's so kind of cut and dry as we go through this. I think he is really talking about the relationships with each other. And I think we will find as we dive into this passage a very common theme. So let's pray before we dive right in. Father, thank you so much for, uh, for Jesus. Thank you for all that he has done and what he means to us. Thank you that even in this passage he will really provide clarity how we should treat one another. Father, help us to have a spirit of forgiveness. Help us to uh, do all that we can to, to really show that we love each other, that we are committed to each other, that we are servants of one another, so that we can have the type of community that brings glory to you and impacts all those around. Open our hearts. Please move through your spirit for us to see what we need to see. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a picture of church. I don't know if you notice anything about that picture. Let's get a closer picture. It's all nice, all neat, but it's made out of Legos. That's Legoland. And we think about the church that we want. We think even about the church that we know that God wants. 
all nice and we treat each other and we, we come and everything is cool and everything is, is, is kind of in place. But Jesus is going to talk about real life here today. He's going to talk about what really does and can happen in our relationships. This, this, is, this is Legoland. But this is not real life. And so the title of the sermon today is Legos and Real Life. Because one thing that Jesus wants us to understand is how do we handle the relationships that we have with one another in real life. Not in Legoland. Not even when we come here together to worship a few times a week or in our Bible talks. What happens and how do we treat one another when we sin against one another? But what does this passage say? We will sin against one another. One thing about real life And Jesus is going to show us all through this passage is that temptations will come and will cause people to sin. They are sure to come. You can write it down. You can take it to the bank. It is inevitable. It is going to happen. Again, in marriage, in families, we all know that we sin. Everyone will. Your households, your small groups, your Bible talks, and our relationships one-on-one. Jesus says, absolutely, you will sin one another against one another. We're going to be tripped up. And that's what this word means. We're going to cause, cause to sin. We're going to, we're going to cause someone to stumble at times. The word here is scandalon. Do you see a, a word? Scandal. We're going to cause some scandals. We're going to cause some things to, to kind of get stirred up. In one another. It's a word that describes, and this is what Jesus wants to make sure that we are warned against, but you know, you ever seen a trap with a, a stick? And then it, that stick is kind of uh, switched, uh, hit by the animal, and then the, the cage comes down on them. This is the idea that we, we put stumbling blocks in one another that kind of cause each other to sin. Think about it for a second. The disciples. Who's the greatest? You don't think that caused a scandal? James and John's mom comes to Jesus and says, Hey Jesus, can my son sit at your right and to your left? You don't think that the other ten were like, dude, you got your mom to do that? <laughs> it caused a scandal. I'm sure it caused, it caused a stir. So much so that Jesus says, guys, gather around for a second. I want to talk about your servanthood. I want to talk about your heart. It's not about being great. It's about being a servant. Jesus had to put things in place. The early church, Jews, Gentiles, scandal. Gentiles, you need to, be, you need to have all and, and develop all of the Jewish customs. It's, we're God's chosen people. Why? Scandal. And so much so, again, they had councils in the book of Acts 
to, to say, okay, what is going to be the, the necessary requirements for a Gentile? They had to set straight what was going on. Galatians, the book of Galatians. You've got some freedoms, but don't use your freedoms to indulge your sinful nature. Love one another. Stop biting and devouring each other. You'll destroy each other. And it's no wonder that he writes in that same chapter later on, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And then in that, there are the relationship sins. Hatred, discord, disharmony, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. This is real life. This is real church, not Lego church. But you know, it's one thing to be hurt by those in the world. It's another thing to be hurt by those closest to you. And yes, I understand when a brother or sister sins against you, it hurts deeply. And I remember time in my life where, you know, I'd served side by side with some, some men in the ministry and then things began to change. And how they treated me began to change. And things were said and it was deeply, deeply hurting. And I wish I could say that I handled it the way that we're going to talk about today. But I handled it the way that my sinful nature kind of guided me to handle it. But the point is I was hurt. And it affected my view of church. It affected my view of God. And I began to have these questions like, God, how could you let this happen? How, are you not in control of this? Can you identify with me? You ever thought those thoughts? And there are some things, and, and even some of you today may have some of those thoughts. How dare this brother? Do you know what they did? This sister, do you know how they treated me? And Jesus is going to give us guidance today. How do we deal with these relationships in real life? Because we will respond according to our sinful nature. But it says a lot about our faith in God. And will you become bitter? Will you become resentful? Will you like Ella, you know, become vindictive? And will you slander? Will you lash out? Will you gossip? Will you verbally abuse? Will you have a fit of rage? Will you, will you retreat? And this became my sinful pattern. But, but inwardly kind of filled with, with, with anger. And, and, and bitterness, which then turns to disheartened. And we can get pretty sinful, can't we? When, how it, when it comes to how we feel about one another. This is an honest gut check sermon. This is real life sermon. Let's be honest with, our, with ourselves. How we really do treat one another. Again, mine was to retreat and yet kind of inwardly boil. I don't know what yours is. Think about it. Avoiding conversation, contact. Kind of letting them know that we really are displeased. Going another, in another direction in the fellowship. Avoiding that brother or sister, having nothing to do with them. Is this 
what Jesus really wants for his church? He wants restoration. He wants us to have real relationships in the world. We will sin. That's what Jesus tells me. It is bound to come. The question is, what will we do? Jesus starts off, pay attention to yourself. That wording is, be on your guard. If, if, if a child is running across the street and a car is coming, what does a parent do? Watch out! Stop! That's the wording that Jesus has right here. Pay attention! But what is he say, who is he saying it to? Pay attention, Kevin. That's what I'm saying to Kevin when he sinned against me. But Jesus is saying, Sean, pay attention to yourself first. Be on your guard. But Jesus knows about our sinful nature. He knows where we typically want to point. And where is that? <laughs> Again, let's be honest. We very rarely look at ourselves in the midst of any, anything that sin. We, we very rarely do that. It is a rare bird that kind of sits back and goes, oh yeah, let me take responsibility for what I've done. Again, let's be honest. We don't do that. We, we, we have the lists of things and the ways that someone has sinned against us. And then finally, maybe somewhere down the road we go, oh, yeah, may, maybe I'm a part of this. And Jesus wants to flip-flop all of this and go, Okay, start with yourself. Start with yourself. Pay attention. Jesus knows real life, not, not Legoland. He knows where we live. And he wants to stop us in our tracks. And yet what we do next is huge. Are we going to pay attention? Are we going to be on our guard? Are we going to cause someone to, to go further down into sin? Are we going to cause someone to stumble? By our response. And when it comes to that, Jesus has a very strong warning. It's a bit better for you to take a grinding stone, throw it around your neck, and be tossed into the sea. Again, it's like a mob hit. It's a strong warning for us to kind of look at, okay, make sure that you are not going to be the one that causes someone to sin. Stop. Evaluate, look at yourself first. Of course, in the context, the Pharisees were, were notorious at always looking at everyone else and, and, and pointing out their sin and failing to look at their own lives. Jesus challenges that. We don't want to cause someone to struggle in their faith by what we do and by what we say and how we respond to a sinful situation. Jesus wants us to look at ourselves first. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Charlotte, amen, I was waiting for you to get to this part. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting to do. This is what that brother really needs. A good, stiff rebuke. Well, that was just my introduction. 
The rest of the sermon, and I only have one point. Throwing dishes or serving dishes? Because how we treat one another right now really is determined on our faith and our attitude as a servant. Kind of speaking of provoking to sin, I hated lima beans as a kid. And so I would often chuck them at my sister when my parents weren't looking. Speaking of a stumbling block, it would provoke her. And she would, she would toss things back and perhaps it would be a big piece of meat come my way or, or a handful of spaghetti. But I've had, I've had cups thrown at me. Again, all because I, and I knew the buttons to push. Of course, my parents dealt with it, got sent to my room and all, all sorts of stuff and had to, but next time lima beans were served, I'd probably do the same thing. But the point is not to talk about this. In life, it's a lot more messy. It's a lot more messy than kind of just chucking food. It's a lot more messy than me throwing lima beans. We start throwing verbal slander. We start gossiping. We start doing things. It's, it's, it's messy. And yet our society tells us, you know, Sean, you, you, you have the right. Someone sins against you. Someone hurts you. You have the right to stand up for yourself. You have the right to have dignity and self-worth to protect yourself. You have the right to, to give and express your peace of mind. Our, our society spends a lot of money in effort to convince us that, that we are worth it. That your view of yourself, your self-esteem is everything. You have the rights. Jesus says, Sean, you need to be a servant. You are not worthy. Talk about flying in the face of culture. A servant serves because they are a servant. That's what they do. Now, Jesus uses the word servant here, and it could mean just a, a word for slave, but it could also mean this word of a bond servant who is someone who was once a slave and was given their freedoms but has decided because of the grace and attitude and all of the things that they've been able to enjoy under their master, they, they said, you know what? I can enjoy my freedom, but I want to enjoy my freedom and come under your, I want, to, I want you to continue to be my master. And out of gratitude and how they were taken care of, they would continue to be a servant. But that would now be something that they did for life. That was their commitment to their master. So in this context, Jesus is saying, unworthy, yes, and yet grateful. You are, you are still a servant, but you have put yourself at under and come under the servanthood and, and master Jesus. 
grateful to be in their service, gratitude for their master to take care of them. And Jesus is addressing our thinking, how we view ourselves. And Jesus is saying, do you take value and worth in being a servant? Give yourself over to me. And who, who exemplified that more than anyone? Jesus himself. Do you think Jesus' attitude was, I, I, I just have to do this? Like in a grumbling attitude? I'm, 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 just, I'm a servant. No. He, he followed God out of, out of just love and obedience to, to who he, his relationship that he enjoyed with God. He took the very nature of a servant. Yes, Jesus was obligated, but he enjoyed his relationship with God. It was the relationship that he, he had with God that motivated everything he did. And it's the same with us. So Jesus says, brothers and sisters, watch yourself. Deal with your own heart. You need to be a servant. It's going to get messy. You will rebuke sin. You will deal with it. Interesting here in this passage, uh, rebuke means to place due weight and measure. Due weight, meaning appropriately. I wonder if in our rebukes, it's not due weight. It's how we measure due weight. And so I'm going to bring the full wrath because I'm angry at what Rodolfo did to me. And he's going to face my full wrath. <laughs> but it may not be appropriate. I may think it's, it's, it's huge. And this is where we've got to look at ourselves. And what is your goal in your rebuke? I just, got, I just got to get this off my chest. I've got to express how much they have hurt me and how angry I am at what they did. And I'm going to throw all the dishes at them to show that how, how bad they are. Is it to win? No. Jesus says, your rebuke really is to serve. The rebuke is meant to bring someone to repentance, a brokenness and an understanding of their sin, what it has done to, 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 to perhaps to you, but to others, and more importantly, to God. But here's where it gets interesting. So I think we can deal with rebukes. I wonder how often we can appropriately deal with forgiveness. The servant's heart forgives. The word means to release and send away. Release a dove, or visually a balloon, or those kind of Asian lanterns that you light and you, know, you send them up. So you get the picture, visually. To release into the air. It's not a kite. A kite has strings. 
When you release a bird, it's gone. We often, in our forgiveness, fly kites and not balloons and birds. Because we keep, them, we keep the strings attached. And Jesus says, there, is no, there are no strings. When you forgive, you forgive. And when we say, I forgive you, we think we have forgiven. Take in marriage if you're married. And we know the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. But how many times have you gone, let me, let me pull this string back a little bit. Didn't you do this just last month? Didn't you treat me this way a little while ago? All of the strings begin to come back. And we throw it back in their face. Again, we throw food and we, we throw dishes. I think it gets messy because we hold on. I know I did. When brothers and sisters sinned against me, I, 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 held, I held some strings. And there was no real forgiveness and there was no real freedom until I said, you know what? I'm going to forgive. And I'm wondering if we haven't really gotten sometimes even real repentance in ourselves and looking at ourselves first. And so we were re recycle sin and Jesus says, you have to stop this. You have to stop this. If your brother reverts, if he comes back, forgive him. Seven times in that day, forgive him. And I know what you're thinking. If that brother seven times repents and comes back to you, what are you thinking right now? They didn't really repent. Isn't that what you think? Yeah. Come on, let's be real. They didn't really repent. I, I don't think, I think Jesus says we can. I think Jesus says they actually can. I think Jesus says they actually did. They actually did say they were sorry. They actually did say, they, did, they didn't mean it. Now it's in your court. To forgive. But we step back and we go, no, 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 no. You, you didn't really repent. Jesus, I, I, am I wrong in, in, in saying this? I, I don't think so. I think he says, we must forgive. And so we laugh. The, 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 the apostle's response is, man, this is going to require huge, huge faith. How can, we, how can we do this? Jesus says, not really. Not really. I mean, not really. A little, little mustard seed. Come on, guys. A little, a little mustard seed. Kind of shows our thinking, doesn't it? Huge! No, 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 no. <laughs> mustard seed. And I don't know if Jesus meant this, but 
We make mulberry trees out of the, the things that, the sin that goes on. We, we, and they take roots. And then that's the thing with the mulberry tree. It's rooted. It's deep. It has a big root system. And so it goes everywhere. But what is Jesus saying? You can rip this thing up. You can tear it up and throw it away. But we go, no, 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 no. There's a lot there, yeah. Jesus is saying, you can take all of this and you can tear it up and you really can forgive. You can throw it away. Mustard seed. I want us to read this passage. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of the Lord and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What in that passage do we normally look at? We look at make every effort. No, 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 no. See to it that no bitter root grows up. Did you see something in the middle of that? See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And I wonder in our relationships and our treating of one another whether we fail to bring people an understanding of the grace of God. In the way I respond, I don't show grace. In the way I handle sin and sinfulness, I don't show grace and forgiveness. And in our relationships with one another, if we're not dealing with it the way that Jesus wants, it, wants us to, then I fear that we can cause each other to miss the great and amazing grace of God that will bring forgiveness in our lives and and will uproot things. And if we take people to the grace of God, I believe there's, there's going to be less roots that we're going to have to deal with. But we often deal with the root and we, we think, oh, the bitter roots. We forget about the grace of God. We forget about taking people there with an understanding of what forgiveness really is. I mean, this is a passage when I was studying it over these last few days. It's like, wow, I, I, I never even looked at that. And I know what you're thinking, grace, oh, we just need to, I, I know you go there, I know you do. But real understanding grace transforms our lives. And Jesus understands that bitterness and all of these things, he, he knows, they run deep, but he says you've got to deal with your own heart. Amen. I've got to go to God. I, I've got to understand the grace of God. I've got to wrestle with God. And, and, and I've got, got, got to take care of me first. And I think that's, that's, that's where we have got to start. When we have conflict and when we have things to work through, you have got to go to God first. And in essence, you be released. And this requires, and that's why Jesus says it does require faith. It does require faith in God. 
There's a battle in us, though. Servants, master, worthy, unworthy. Pharisees, how did they see themselves? Worthy. Arrived. Established. Everyone else is sinful. And Jesus says, you don't even lift a finger to serve those around you. You think you're so worthy. When we don't forgive, I've got my rights. What are we saying? I'm worthy. Versus, I'm not worthy. We hold grudges and bitterness towards someone and we throw dishes. We give them a piece of our mind. What are we saying? I have the right. I am worthy. And we stop serving dishes. And we stop serving one another. And we stop meeting needs in one another. How are we seeing ourselves? Worthy. Are you convicted? It's quiet. <laughs> what is the mindset that Jesus wants us to have? Like I said, I think unworthy, but, but grateful. Yes, we're servants. And yes, in, in essence, we're unworthy. But we're, I, I wanna, we're, we're bond servants. I, I've become a servant out of gratitude for all that Jesus has given me. I'm grateful to serve my master. I'm grateful to come under all of the, the, the direction that he wants to give me. And so I, I, I will serve and give my life as a servant to him, just like Jesus did. What a, what a great message this is. Amen, I will. I can... Uh... But this is real life. And it's not Legoland. So where are you at today? Is there sin rooted in your heart? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Are there roots in your heart that you need to tear up and release and let go into the air or the sea, however you want? Is there sin hidden in your heart? That you need to kind of root up and have someone kind of invite them into your life. And, and rebuke if necessary, but rebuke for the purpose of serving you and meeting your needs and, and getting you on track with God. Or what do you need to do this week to take on the heart of a servant? Those around you. Imagine what this looks like in real life. As we put this into practice. The healing in the marriages. In our families. In the depth of relationships. In the realness and the openness. Because guys, we are, we are going to sin. But when, if, if we had this attitude and looking at ourselves. And, and, and then becoming servants of one another. To truly, truly help each other. And yet forgive and release. Imagine the depth of the relationships. Imagine the impact that, that we would have amongst each other and in our community. 
This is what God wants. This is what God expects. And I hope that our attitudes will be one of great gratitude and humility. That yes, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty, but we do it out of the great and amazing love that God has for us. And this, may this become our real life. Amen?